You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Locked On Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade. Joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer, and we are two writers who got our start covering the Chargers for San Diego Sports Domination, San Diego's top sports blog, where we've been covering them for six years doing our own Facebook Live show, Chargers Domination Live. And now this is our fourth season as the host of the Locked On Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Well, guys, I hope you all enjoyed the fan mock drafts, and I promise you we're going to be continuing to get into those. We'll do some of them tomorrow for sure. But on today's show, we do have some things to talk about because I thought one fun segment that we could get into would be who were the guys that we missed on the most in the 2020 NFL draft and also who were the guys that we really liked that ended up getting away from the Chargers and the Chargers weren't able to draft them even though we watched a ton of film on them and all of that stuff. But before we get into all that though, I do want to thank everyone especially those checking out the show for the first time and you can follow us wherever you get your podcasts from Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Odyssey app, you can find the Locked On Chargers podcast there. The other thing we want to get into on today's show is Daniel Popper has come out with another seven-round mock draft. So this one, he has a trade, and he also kind of presented it as a mock draft after hearing what Brandon Staley had to say, and I liked the way that he kind of mixed in some of the kind of key words and hints that Brandon Staley might have kind of given out that could give an indication of the type of players the Chargers are going to draft. So in the second segment, we'll be getting into a trade back in the first round with no good options available. And then the wrap up the show, we'll be talking about, you know, bringing in some guys for special teams, getting a couple of players on the defensive side that could carve out some rules on the defense later on down the road and just finding depth for the team. So Let's go ahead and get into it. One of the things I was thinking about today before we got on the show that I thought would be fun to talk about is just kind of looking back to last year and the 2020 NFL draft. And we watched a ton of film. You know, I think every year we've kind of stepped our game up a little bit more just as far as how much film we're watching, how many of these prospects we are breaking down. And I thought that last year I had some guys that were just like, oh, draft darlings, draft crushes. Guys that I really wanted to see, and there was a couple other guys too where I didn't want to see the Chargers take them, and I was absolutely wrong. So first I want to start with the guys that we were most wrong about, and I think for me it's a pretty simple answer. So David, I think you may have the same answer. We didn't talk about this before the show. So when you're looking at guys that you were most wrong about in the 2020 draft, who comes to your mind? So guys I was most wrong about in this one is probably going to be Isaiah Simmons and he had a a solid year Uh, I mean and this is all one year in too right right, you don't know but just based on this one year that we've seen right I thought this guy was going to be a jack of all trades type of just monster I mean a guy that was going to be able to impact the game on multiple different levels and you know to his credit he he played in all 16 games but his production was not overly exciting to me. 54 tackles, two sacks, a forced fumble, an interception. I thought he did good in pass coverage. You know, 16 receptions allowed on 25 targets. 
um, and only 5.7 yards per target. So that was pretty solid, but he he didn't look very good or uh, didn't have very good grades on PFF. He only had a 60 PFF grade, and I was just expecting a lot more explosive plays on the defensive side uh, than what I saw from him last year. So a guy who I thought was going to be a phenomenal pick on the defensive side and impact the game in a lot of ways, and uh, after one year, I definitely was not right about that. Well, I think the thing with Isaiah Simmons also was, too, is you kind of knew he would have to go to a defense that was going to let him play the way that he did when he was at Clemson, where he was that jack-of-all-trades and he got to move around a lot. When he went to Arizona, they are like, all right, you're the Mike linebacker, right? And I just don't know if he was ever meant to be put in that specific of a role. And I've talked about this so many times. No, he was, like, a Smith, he was supposed to be the Swiss Army knife. They just right. never used him that way. Yeah, and I, I think that's a huge thing, too, and you just don't know how these guys are going to fit into certain systems. But if you take a guy, you know, top 10 overall, you'd think you'd be trying to use all of his strengths and not kind of just make him one-dimensional to some extent. But obviously, linebacker is a very, very hard position to come into the NFL and exceed, succeed at right away. I thought that was a telling thing from Brandon Staley's press conference that he had. was like, ask Kenneth Murray, you know, how hard it is to play. As a rookie, talking about Justin Herbert and all of those things and how tough it was for him to come in like that. And he was just basically saying, yeah, it's tough for all of these guys coming in as rookies. I think linebacker especially, but I was going to go with the one that I was super, super wrong about. And that was Justin Herbert, right? I mean, the yeah, fact that we weren't me too. Yeah, the fact that we weren't on the mountaintops kind of screaming for this guy to be the Chargers pick at six is is crazy to think about now. And I mean... On but the it's, other it's side the of offenses, that too. right, Dan? I mean, that offense that they ran at Oregon is so confusing because they never really let him use the tools that he had. It was always, hey, let's get the ball out quickly. Let's get it in the playmaker's hands, which is good. But this guy can throw a football 65 yards flat-footed, and you're not really utilizing that part of his game. And then you see him in the NFL, and you see him in an offense that really kind of lends itself to more of his strengths, and you're like, damn, man, I was way wrong on this guy and that's with the frustrations we had with the chargers offense but yeah i mean to have such a high percentage of his you know passing yards coming off of screen passes and things like that i think is definitely you know something that hurt us when we were watching him but at the same time right i mean those are all just excuses too like i mean we can talk oh, about yeah. the offense and stuff all we want but we were wrong about it i mean the two biggest things for me though was just the inconsistency, I mean, just easy passes that he was missing. And I think you saw that to a small extent still his rookie season. It was just surrounded by incredible passes. And that was the other thing, too, is I just didn't see a lot of wow throws in Justin Herbert's college shape, you know, partially due to that offense. And he just didn't see a lot of that. And then now this year, you know, he's making three or four throws every game where you're just like, oh, my God, I'm like, that's a ridiculous throw. You just didn't see that there. My other biggest thing is I didn't think the Chargers – would be able to develop him as well as they did. And that I was absolutely wrong about. Pep Hamilton had a lot to do with that. And so did Justin Herbert, you know, putting in the work before he got drafted as well. But looking at draft darlings, crushes that we had in last year's draft that the Chargers traded away by moving up to get Kenneth Murray. No, I'm just kidding. It's not all because of that. But some of the guys that I liked, well, I'll give you one right now. I'll let you give one too. But one of the guys I really liked was Chase Claypool. I didn't really have... Any issues with him being a wide receiver, even at that big bodied size? And like, obviously, I like Justin Jefferson and guys like that, too. Not going to say I thought he was going to do what he did, but he was never an option for the Chargers. I thought Chase Claypool was an option for the Chargers. And it was kind of nice seeing that play out in a way with him making so many big plays his rookie season. 
Yeah, I love Chase Claypool, man. In that Pittsburgh offense, he, he kind of got more of a role every week, and then you start seeing him make Mike Williams type of plays going up and get high point in the football. And you're like, okay, yeah, that's what I saw in college. And he kind of manifested that over into the NFL, which, uh, I mean, hey, that's what you're looking. You're trying and to project. And that 4-4 speed, too. Yeah, I mean, of course. Fast. I mean, at that size, that's that's ridiculous. But a guy who uh, I was really high on, who I enjoyed watching, was Makai Becton. And, uh, oh, that was one of my other ones. One of my favorites. <laughs> Makai Becton actually came out there and played pretty damn well uh, yeah. in his rookie season. He played 691 snaps, all of those at left tackle. He gave up, he had seven penalties and gave up seven sacks, but I mean, only 23 pressures allowed in those 700 uh, or so snaps at left tackle. So for a rookie who had a, you know, really, really solid 74.4 overall grade, who had a great passing grade and a, you know, pretty good run blocking grade too. I mean, he went out there, got drafted early, and he performed. When he turned all of those physical abilities into things he did at the college level, he just translated it into the NFL and got better too. I mean, that guy is just such a force. He was my OT one last year. I know John was a big Tristan Wirfs guy. I mean, all you know, Jedrick Wills and Tristan Wirfs and Makai Becton were all super good their rookie season. Andrew Thomas was another story. Not but, so much. <laughs> yeah, not so much. But those guys, I mean, all pretty much panned out. And the Chargers, I mean, obviously, to get him, you would have had to give up on Justin Herbert, right? It's like, that's something we and don't Wrong regret. answer, right? <laughs> yeah, so the guys I want to talk about quickly, just because we're running out of time in this segment, I mean, one was Michael and Wainu, and I think I kind of had a Deontay Brown kind of thing for Michael and Wainu because we watched him at Michigan last year, and we were just blown away by his size. And just kind of, you know, lumberjack strength. And he was one of the best offensive linemen in the NFL last year as a rookie. So I thought that was one, especially as a sixth round pick, the Chargers definitely whiffed on. The other one was Cam Dantzler. Was a big Cam Dantzler guy out of Mississippi State. He ends up going in the third round. The Chargers would have had a chance to pick him up if they hadn't traded up for Kenneth Murray. And I'm not saying Kenneth Murray. That was the wrong move. That still has to play itself out. But Cam Dantzler was a guy I liked. Had a rough start to his season, but was starting to turn into that player we saw in college the last half of the year and looked really good. He was one of my draft darlings, definitely, from the 2020 draft class. But now it's time for new draft darlings and new heartbreaks, and we're going to get into 10 picks in the upcoming NFL draft with Daniel Popper's latest seven-round mock draft, and we're going to start with the first round and a trade back coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the official betting sponsor of the Locked On Chargers podcast is betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football may be over, but you guys can bet on baseball. The NBA is going on, NHL, so much to bet on. And for me, the latest thing I've been betting on mostly is the NFL draft. And, of course, my San Diego Padres. But so many good prop bets in the NFL draft from BetOnline.ag. I mean, there's a lot of really good ones, guys. I mean, if you think you have an idea of where anyone in the first round is going to go, there's probably a bet for it on betonline.ag and all you have to do is head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and you can receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on that's promo code locked on all caps one word for free money to bet with on your first deposit only at betonline.ag your online sportsbook experts all right well once again the king of all the beat writers daniel popper comes through with some content on a monday so we get to talk about it on Tuesday, and we will get into your guys' fan mocks. But I did see a seven-round Chargers mock draft, and that seemed like something we should definitely talk about, especially when there's 10 picks involved. But 
Daniel Popper, if you don't already, make sure to go subscribe to him on The Athletic. You definitely won't regret it. Neither me or David regret it at this point. I mean, we go on The Athletic all the time. Some really good stuff on there. But let's get into this seven-round mock draft. And let's start with the first overall pick, which comes at pick 20, which is a little odd because the Chargers obviously pick at 13. Well, Mac Jones was available. The Bears move up with the Chargers at 13. The Chargers move down to 20. Also pick up the 52nd pick overall in the second round. And then they end up taking Christian Darrison. This is a guy, David, we've you know come to terms with as a guy that's a high likelihood for the Chargers to potentially take just because of the physical traits. And obviously, the you know what Brandon Staley talked about, liking big, long, athletic guys. He fits that profile for sure. But it feels a lot better coming at pick 20. Oh, man, does it ever. I love it at pick 20, and also picking up that extra premium pick in the second round is fantastic. But, yeah, I mean, at 13, you're like, eh, it's kind of a hard pill to swallow a little bit just because you see some deficiencies that you don't like, and you want somebody who's really you know, more of a complete player at 13. But at 20, you absolutely love it because, you know, you see the value there a lot better. And like I said, you pick up that extra pick and you can, you know, the guy that they, that he picked up with that extra pick in Richie Grant was fantastic as well. So you look at the overall quality of that trade, you get Christian Darrisaw at 20 and you get Richie Grant. I think it's just a phenomenal package. And if that's how the board lays out, Daniel, I would love if they actually make that happen. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you pick up another really good pick at 52 where you can still find an impact player in this draft class. And that, of course, turns into Richie Grant in the second round. But the 47th overall pick was Eric Stokes, the cornerback from Georgia. And for me, I'm not going to get into all the reasons I'm not a big fan. I mean, obviously, the athleticism, all of those things are there. I mean, I think there's a lot to like there. But Thinking of him as a physical player was something that I didn't necessarily agree with. I think guys get separation from him much too easily breaking out of their routes, especially on in-breaking sharp cuts, things like that. I mean, I didn't think he was staying with those guys, even though, you know, he obviously running a 4-2-9 has some speed to catch up to people, but just not a guy I would prefer in the second round. But yeah, David, I mean, getting two guys in the secondary, knowing how important the secondary is to Brandon Staley's defense is something that you can definitely get behind. All in round two, right? In the top, you know, 52 picks now, you've gotten a starting left tackle, hopefully, and upgraded the safety and cornerback position. Yeah, I mean, all three of those are very important needs. They're very shallow at safety. And bringing in a defensive back like Richie Grant, who's going to come in and make an immediate impact and have the versatility to play all over the defense is very intriguing. And, of course, you got to get a corner, a guy who has some great physical traits in Eric Stokes, who has great play speed. You talked about the 4-2-9. I like the fact that he flips his hips very well. I think he's very fluid in that concern. He has pretty good ball skills as well. But, um <laughs> Yeah, the, the negative things, uh, definitely concerning. I mean, one of the big things that stuck out to me, Daniel, is that he lets every receiver get a free release, and I just don't like that when you're impressed. you got to get your hands on these guys. Try to redirect them. I mean, too many free releases, and also I think he has trouble with the you know route recognition. I think he kind of gets turned around sometimes, and that's definitely not encouraging, especially from a guy that you're picking in the second round. You expect to come in and be a starter right away. I don't know if I feel... comfortable that Eric Stokes can get the coaching and get really get ready to be a starting corner in the NFL at in in the second round I think you're looking for guys that are going to be able to come in and step in and and produce right away 
Yeah, for Eric Stokes, I mean, I get why people are intrigued with him, but I just don't necessarily think, you know, he's one of my guys, so to speak. But Richie Grant, I mean, I have to bring up this quote from Dame Brugler just because I think it's such a fitting thing for Richie Grant. With the play speed and production that popped on tape, Grant does receiver-like things at the catch point and flies downhill looking for the kill shot. That's a combination you don't see very often, so... I think that perfectly kind of sums up Richie Grant. And then in the third round, pick 77, Daniel Popper gets one of the guys that we really like, Tommy Tremble. The Chargers get, you know, a guy that has receiving upside, but comes in as a very willing and able pass blocker, even at the NFL level, I believe. And a nasty run blocker, man. A yeah. guy who wants to erase you and get you out of the way, and he wants to bulldoze you and put you in the ground. I love that killer instinct when you are blocking somebody. He just wants to erase you, and I love that. Yeah, I mean, I think you always want that finisher mentality for sure, right? And I think he has that for sure. I mean, sometimes he has it too much. I think he missed a couple blocks just because he was totally trying to launch himself off and totally just destroy somebody that was standing in front of him. But someone I'm very interested in. With pick 97, he goes with Deontay Brown. I'm not as big of a fan as him. I know, David, you were a decently sized fan of him, just as far as what we talked about with the fan mock drafts. And obviously for a guy that size, a guy you know who lost a little bit of weight, maybe that helps him a little bit with the quickness and showed a lot of power on tape. I mean, I think it's something you could get behind. He talks about just the fact that, hey, you know, now that you had an extra second round pick, you can splurge a little bit more on the interior of the offensive line with the 97th overall pick. There's some guys I like more. I mean, I don't know who is available to him in this mock, but as far as physical presence goes, I'm 100% there for it because I want, I mean, just having a massive line like he talks about in this. I mean, you have Matt Filer, six foot six, 330 pounds. Adea Bushi, six foot five, 315. I mean, now you're adding a guy who's six foot three and most recently clocked in at 344 pounds. That's a nice little goal line package right there. But the last one I want to get to in this segment is a guy that I was up and down on, admittedly, and it's a fourth round pick, pick 118, and I do want to address the defensive line in this draft. I think the Chargers could do worse than Oza Odegazuwa, and I think that he's a guy that has some really flashy tape at times. He's a defensive lineman from UCLA, and that's a good way to talk about him because he did move all over the defensive line. He had pass rush snaps. On the outside, getting around tackles, and on the interior as well. And he's a three-time state wrestling champion, according to Daniel Popper. And obviously, that helps with leverage and things like that. And the other thing is, is he is versatile, and Staley likes versatile guys. So, David, this is the last one I want to talk about as far as the first part of this draft. What did you think of Osa Odegazua? Osa Odigazua, six foot two, two eighty. I thought, uh, loved the versatility, like you mentioned, the guy who played all over the defensive line. I thought he was pretty good at splitting the double teams. Uh, I think, uh, he, you know, if he gets in there with quickness, he can really do that. I think he has decent strength. I mean, I saw him walk back some offensive linemen from time to time. But one of the things I didn't particularly care for, Daniel, is around the goal line, I feel like he just got erased too much. And, and you know, that's a, a spot where you have to really make an impact. And also, I think when he's scraping the line to try to get to the ball carrier, sometimes he just loses his focus. He doesn't really pinpoint on or identify where that ball carrier is. And I think he needs to do a better job of that. But I think the versatility with some good tape on the outside as far as the edge rusher is concerned, I think overall the versatility versatility with this pick is definitely there and uh you know Brandon Staley loves a guy who can play multiple positions and with Isaac Rochelle leaving in, in free agency they do need a guy who can 
potentially fill multiple roles on the D-line. Yeah, he's a guy that, I mean, when he's at his best, he's winning with quickness. He's being a penetrator, a disruptor, right? And I think that, yeah, if he gets hit by a double team, he's going to give up some ground. He definitely, you know, had some time where he got washed out on the goal line. And he's not going to be, I don't think, an impact run defender. It's not a guy that you can go out there and just be like, hey, hold that spot. His anchor, I thought, was a little bit suspect, but did have the quickness to be able to, you know, slice through the line make plays in the backfield, get pressure. I mean, he got pressure off the edge. He got pressure by beating guards, and he has the length that Brandon Staley covets as well. So as far as a, you know, a developmental guy you're getting in the fourth round, not a pick I hated. I mean, I thought he flashed at the senior bowl as well. Someone I thought that really stood out. So I, I would be okay with that. I mean, that's a pick I can definitely get behind because I do think they need to add to that position. But one of the positions they haven't added to so far is the edge wrestling position. So we're going to get into the edge rusher that Daniel Popper gets up, a couple of a special teams player, and get into the outlook of this overall class coming up right after this. But first, I need to tell you guys that the only place you guys should ever be shopping for your auto parts is rockauto.com. When it comes to needing something for my car, I know for me, it's all about convenience, and you're not going to find an easier place to find the car part that you need than rockauto.com. I mean, I don't know a ton about cars, and I was able to uh, several times now at this point Go to rockauto.com, put in the type of car that I have, and just a couple of clicks later, I have exactly what I need. And a nice bonus to that is you're going to get a great price as well. So whether you're a daily driver or a mechanic, you always get the best price with rockauto.com, and it's going to get delivered right to your door. So whatever part that you think that you might need for your car, they're telling you you need for your car, you can find it at rockauto.com because they have a better inventory that you're going to find at any different kind of chain storefront or anything like that. All you have to do is go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts they have available for your car or truck and write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, David, well, it's time to get back into this mock draft from Daniel Popper and of course, as always, we really appreciate the content, and I think to this point, he's done a pretty nice job, especially, you know, finding guys that are in need. You need depth on the interior offensive line. You got that. You got a guy you feel like you could, you know, be your starting left tackle, and you picked up an extra day two pick to get a really impactful player in the secondary, potentially two impactful players in the secondary, but there's obvious needs that he didn't fill yet in this mock draft, and I think the fifth round pick for the Chargers in this comes up as a definite position of need and I think it was someone that you got me more excited about by what you thought about him and that's Chris Rump the edge rusher from Duke who's obviously a little bit slighter in stature for sure but I know you liked some of what you saw I did I was really excited actually after watching Chris Rump just some of the things that I'm looking for in a pass rusher a guy who's who's pretty much sole job is to get after the quarterback. I love how slippery he is around the edge. I mean, he can really get past people. I mean, his quickness off the line was something I also loved. And also, you know, he doesn't stop fighting. He, he'll keep hitting you with different pass rush moves to try to keep getting to the quarterback. He doesn't quit. I've seen some guys I've watched this year. If, you know, they don't win with their first move, they just kind of stop. And that's not something Chris Rumpf did. I, I like the fact that he continues to fight there through the rep. Some of the things that were concerning for me, obviously, He's very small. He's only 244 pounds, and that did show up on tape. I mean, in the running game, this is not a guy you really want on the football field because if he doesn't win with speed as a run defender, then he's going to get washed out. He's just too small, and offensive linemen pick him off pretty easily. And also, he gets to the quarterback consistently, Daniel, but he didn't always finish. He just didn't get to the quarterback on the ground. But 
a guy who I think can absolutely make an impact as a situational pass rusher. And, and, you know, at this point late in the draft, you want guys that are going to be able to carve out some roles. And I think Chris Rumpf as that pass rusher in a situation with the Chargers who really need to find different ways and different guys that can help manufacture some pass rush, not named Joey Bosa. I think this is a guy who could fit that bill. Yeah, so it's interesting, right? Because he doesn't come in as true depth as an edge player for the Chargers because it's hard to imagine at his size because, yes, I mean, he's probably the biggest liability as a edge defender as I've seen so far watching Tate, right? I mean, he wins I mean, pass rush moves, his quickness, his speed, and he is a good athlete for sure. But, I mean, I also saw him get displaced by tight ends, you know, on multiple occasions, and that's just not something that can happen. I mean, if you can't hold your own against a college tight end who isn't known for blocking, it's going to be really tough for you to hold up at the NFL level. So is there a way he can get on the field? Probably. I mean, I think that Dane Brugler's thing from Daniel Popper in the athletic, one of the things he kind of took from him was he's a slippery pass rusher with quickness and range, but his lack of size makes it easy for blockers to engulf him and redirect him at the point of attack. That's pretty much it. You know, so yeah, that's definitely what I saw for sure. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty succinct, explanation right there and it's just he you know what's the upside the upside is is he turns into a situational pass rusher for you he's a guy that maybe can come in in certain situations and get what five six seven sacks a year at his absolute ceiling right sign me I think. up sign sure. me up that, that. yeah and, and that's i think his ceiling like i think that would be you know best case scenario but i definitely understand it especially you know when you're kind of grasping for straws at this point not going to get a complete player i can understand why the flashy plays i mean 34 tackles for loss in college 17 and a half career sacks even though you know obviously it could have been more if he was bringing those guys down to could the have ground. been a lot more i mean yeah. i think i saw probably at least five or six in in several different games where he right. could have had sacks if he just finished the damn play and that was a little bit frustrating when watching him and it's something that probably would fit in well to the Chargers' defenses of the past, right? I mean, getting to the quarterback and not being able to bring them down has been a big issue for the Chargers, especially for mobile quarterbacks, God forbid. You know, somebody has to keep containment. But yeah, obviously kind of a special project type of player, a guy that you would hope, you know, could come in and help you with your pass rush in very certain and specific situations. But is he going to be a better pass rusher than any of Kyler Fackrell, Joey Bosa, Andrew Chen, and Uwosu? At this point, no. I mean, I don't see that. But I definitely understand why he makes that pick here. So let's get to the next two picks because these are two picks with special teams mostly in mind. And I think from what I saw of them, you know, playing defensively, I think I would mostly agree. You have in the sixth round, Jamian Sherwood, the safety from Auburn. And then in the second sixth round pick for the Chargers at 198, he picks up Nick Neiman, the linebacker from Iowa. So both guys, I think, could carve out a role defensively. I mean, I saw some things from Sherwood that his, you know, 47440 is going to make him drop, but the instincts I thought were there. He made some splash plays at times, and I do think both of these guys will be able to come in and help your special teams unit right away. I mean, for Neiman, he ends up running a 44840, and I think that kind of matches up from what I saw. I mean, the lateral quickness for him isn't great. I mean, the change of direction I didn't think was great. I think that was what kind of hurt him in coverage. And the other thing is just nobody sheds blockers anymore. I mean, finding a linebacker that's going to go up and pop a lineman in the hole and shed them to make a tackle 
You know, I just always think about like Ray Lewis and like what he used to do to offensive linemen. Or I mean, Denzel Perriman against Makai Becton, right? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> I mean, that's one of my favorites for sure. But I mean, you just don't see it. That's not a, a problem that's specific to him. But special teams wise, I could see it. I thought he had good instincts in the running game too. Maybe he can fit a type of run stuffer role eventually. Maybe he can carve out a small role for himself eventually. But both of these guys, David, were made with the clear intentions of boosting the Chargers special teams, which when you have 10 picks, a couple of them probably are going to go towards guys whose value is going to be geared towards special teams. Well, yeah, and I think you, when, before the draft, you kind of look at your coaches and you're like, you know, hey, D coordinator, what do you need? Which, of course, that's Brandon Staley himself. And then you go over to the offensive side with, you know, Lombardi and you, you say, hey, Joe, you know, what do you need? And then, of course, at the end, you go you go to Darius Swinton, the special teams coordinator, and you say, hey, Darius, what, what can I get you? And Darius is like, well, hey, I need a lot of damn help because the Chargers are one of the worst special teams units in <laughs> NFL history last year. So allocating a couple of picks for that sole purpose of improving that unit who uh, which I think you know can really greatly uh, change the the landscape of this team just as far as you know field position and, and getting in better positions shorter fields on offense you know longer fields on defense that stuff can really make an impact on the game and unfortunately we've seen atrocious special teams play the last couple of years so I don't even know at this point if we'd be able to identify good special teams play but mm-hmm. the Chargers need to bring in guys that are going to impact that I think they did a good job of that in free agency and I think it needs to be a continuation in the draft and I think that's exactly where Daniel Popper is trying to impact with these two guys and these are guys that you actually have film of them playing special teams right so you can kind of see where they excel both of these guys played special teams in college both of them are probably guys that you know would skirt along the lines of fringe guys that could potentially be depth players someday given the right coaching and the right development I mean I saw Brandon Staley work some absolute miracles last year with the Rams linebacking core. Him and Joe Barry, I mean, both. They got a lot of good production out of guys I think most people had never heard of because of a lot of injuries there, right? So I think that if the player development can really be better than it was in the past, maybe you do have a future safety that can play some linebacker at times because 474 isn't terrible, terrible for a linebacker. But I think most, most good linebackers are probably running, you know, better than that. I mean, obviously, Nick Neiman did, so... As a safety, that's definitely a time that's concerning. But both of these guys, I think, could turn into a little bit more. I don't think I see necessarily starters potentially, but I do see guys that can play a little bit as as well as you know being guys that could potentially succeed at special teams. And then with the last pick, I'll just talk about it here quickly. With the seventh round pick, Daniel Popper ends up selecting Carson Green, a guard slash tackle from Texas A&M. And I agree with what he says. You know, it's a guy that started 39 straight games at right tackle is what Daniel Popper puts on here. And we know that as far as late round picks go, Tom Telesco likes, you know, finding guys that are very proven, guys that, you know, stuck with their college, had a lot of experience in college, as opposed to going, you know, finding some physical freak of nature and hoping he can turn that around. He usually gets high character guys that, you know, produced well in college, but might not necessarily transition. I'd be interested to see what this guy could do at guard because I do think his biggest issue was, you know, speed on the edge and that's not going to get easier at the NFL level. Maybe you can put him, you know, at guard and maybe you can find a way to find a spot as depth on this roster because I don't think we look at, you know, the interior of the offensive line and we're blown away by how deep it is. I definitely think 
there's room there. So him and Deontay Brown in this situation get a chance to kind of tag on his depth. And I think that this is how you build that. You keep drafting guys. You keep trying to develop them. And hopefully the new guys they have in charge of that can start developing, especially offensive linemen, which has been just such a huge struggle. But overall, I thought Daniel Popper did a good job with this. I mean, if you're looking at something he didn't address, you could say wide receiver because Mike Williams could be or is going to be a free agent after this next upcoming season unless you know, they franchise tagged him, which is not going to happen at all. Not much that he missed here. I mean, he pretty much addressed a lot of positions. Ends up getting another impact player with trading down in the first round. I liked what he did here, and you're not going to get all the guys that you want in any kind of mock draft, and I'm sure you guys have seen that on the mock draft simulators. It's going to fall on some of the guys that you really love. Someone else really loves him, too. So I, I think for what he was probably probably had available to him, I like the way he did here, and I think the Chargers, it just shows you what they could potentially add in this draft, like how many guys they could add, you know, as far as depth, as far as future starters, as far as immediate impact players. The Chargers have an opportunity to do that in the 2021 NFL draft class, and it'll be up to Tom Telesco to hit on a much higher percentage of draft picks than he has in years past. If he can do that, now you're maybe, you know, taking a little bit more advantage of Justin Herbert's rookie contract in that window that's currently presented to you right now. But that is going to wrap things up for today's show. We will be getting into some more fan mocks tomorrow, getting into new prospects we haven't talked about and your guys' mocks that you guys sent in. We still appreciate that. Until then, make sure to go follow us on all of our social media pages. You can find us on Twitter at LockedOnLAC. You can find our Facebook page, which is LockedOnChargers. And you can also follow us on Instagram, on our new Instagram page, which you can find at LockedOnChargers as well. If you don't already, make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcast from, whether it's the Odyssey app, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. You guys can find us there and make sure to rate and review if you like the show. If you guys want to get your voicemails on the show, the number is 323-524-7924. We try to get every Chargers voicemail played on the show. But don't miss out tomorrow, guys. We'll be getting into more mock drafts, keeping our draft bonanza going. And also, coming soon, we're going to have Jordan Reed from the Draft Network on the show as well. So make sure you guys stick around for that. But we'll be back with you guys tomorrow. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.